Today, we're talking about family. Family and the holidays. Welcome back to the show. I am Eugenia Crock, the host of this podcast, Accessible Astrology. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for tuning in. I absolutely appreciate and love that so many of you are listening lately and really resonating with the work I've been doing on the podcast. So before we get into this actual episode, there's a couple of things I'd like to share and to say. Uh, This is actually a really good episode. It is, I don't know, it's really rich with information and content and It's an episode I have been wanting and meaning to put out for a while because I think that the holidays, no matter if you celebrate anything or if you celebrate nothing, can bring up a lot of stuff, just a lot of emotions, a lot of triggers, just all kinds of things. And with the astrology that we have lined up for this season of 2019, It's particularly potent. It's particularly packed with potential triggers that I think are being brought up to be healed. And my guest and I talk a lot about the potential of healing through these triggers this holiday season. And we really get to the nucleus of what what is the best tool to use to get through the holidays. And we talk about that about two thirds of the way through the interview. So be sure to definitely listen in all the way through to that point to really distill and, and take the information that we're talking about to heart so that as you move into the holiday season, you are grounded with some pretty good tools to make sure that you are grounded and centered and heart-based, which is really what we need, right? It's all about cleaning up our corner of the world, right? And really moving into our life's experience from the place of doing the best we can as individuals. And one of the places to to start or practice that with is our families, because I think a lot of times with our families, we let ourselves get away with things that maybe we wouldn't let ourselves get away with in the public eye or something of that nature. And that is the nature of family in the fourth house and cancer, But still, there's potential for major healing this year. And this episode is really just talking about different ways to look at it, work with it, and heal with it. And I'll be excited to introduce that guest in that episode here soon. Uh, But a couple of quick announcements prior to that. I just want to, again, thank you all so much for like I said, tuning into the podcast. It's really cool uh, to to see how many of you are listening to these episodes. And also I'm getting so many amazing reviews and I'm so grateful. It makes me feel so happy uh, because yeah, it's nice to share with the world your good vibes and your good feelings about me. Uh, so Tess MH wrote, Eugenia is a gifted astrologer and an empowered boss. And she says, I've been a loyal listener of Eugenia's podcast for a while now. And each time I feel like she continues to offer more and more valuable insights through her own personal growth with astrology counseling that she shares with others. She's smart, highly skilled astrologer. And after listening to her show, I had a 15 minute reading from her 
uh, about my career and Eugenia hit it nail on the head perfectly and described aspects of my chart I hadn't seen before. Uh, so that's actually something to mention as I read that. Uh, I do do 15-minute questions. So for people who aren't wanting major, major readings, uh, I definitely encourage you to go to the website. And if you have a, a quick question you want to ask, I'll answer it with a video and audio response looking at your chart for 15 minutes. And that's a pretty good option. Uh, finding Maine wrote, new or not so new to astrology, it doesn't matter. You will find the metaphoric and symbolic language used in this podcast to be refreshing to the soul. And she goes on about how she's physically tilling soil in her life, uh, which is so cool. Uh, I love that. Um, and then Sastrologer wrote amazing. I love Eugenia. Listening to her podcast has helped me with my daily anxieties. She speaks such kind words into the world and that gives me hope. Uh, so thank you so much for those incredible comments and it does mean a lot and I really appreciate you all starring the podcast and leaving beautiful comments. Super easy to do on iTunes. Just scroll down, take a couple seconds to give me some stars and a review and it just helps. It helps me and my I don't know. It just feels good. <laughs> and also I do get so many compliments and it's just nice to share them with the world. So thank you for that. Uh, and yeah, I think the other thing I want to mention before I get into the actual astrology is the toolbox 2020 toolbox is still available for sale. Uh, I have sold out of the personal outlooks, but there's a few other options that are pretty cool. If you check that out at accessibleastrology.com. And the toolbox is similar to these podcasts in that I am really sincerely trying to provide you all with tools to work with astrology. Uh, so, you know, just this um, week, a lot of people reached out to me and they're like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I do really long, uh, detailed reports about the month to come for my community so that they kind of are aware of these transits as they're coming. We cannot predict the future, but we can work to move with astrology, move with nature, work with the, that organic flow. And we could have all predicted that this month, November and December, <laughs> uh, but November was going to be pretty big in terms of bringing up some old past unconscious stuff. This is what the the last podcast episode was about is, you know, we have to bring these things to the surface if we want to build a new civilization, right? To to plant new seeds and grow new crops. And we have to bring up a lot of the dirty, old, unconscious fears and triggers and things of that nature. It has to come up to to let it go, right? Making the unconscious conscious. And so that toolbox is not only kind of going through the astrology of each month. In fact, <laughs> I wound up recording about six hours almost, I think, about looking at the astrology uh, from December 2019 all the way through December 2020. And it was actually very fun to do. And it seemed so obvious each month what the theme is really about. And so you get a video and audio of the actual astrology for each month. And it's more I don't want to say general, but it is more general. It's more just about what does it physically feel like? So what is the theme of this month? And because each month seems to have a really obvious theme. And 
uh, as a complement to that, I offer educational tools. So certain authors, books, meditations, podcasts, YouTube videos, just a whole bunch of things like that to give you actual education. So really talking about the logical side of astrology. Uh, there's a few astrology books, but to be honest, there's more psychology books and uh personal development books and things of that nature, and actually a couple of business books uh, on money and finances. There's a few books on finances. All of the, It's a syllabus, essentially, of really helpful material, reading material for the year of 2020 that's going to help you master this energy. And then there are unique journal prompts for each month, so you can follow your own journey. You know, you can follow okay, so you can track the moon cycles. I go through really specific transits like Venus retrograde and Mars retrograde and things like that. That's going to help you, uh, again, track your cycle and move with yourself and watch your process over this year. And lastly, and my most favorite, favorite part about the toolbox is the meditations. And those, I had no idea I would have so much fun making and recording meditations but I don't know. It's like my new favorite thing to do. And I do a unique meditation for each month, which some of them are about 20 minutes. Some of them can be up to 40, 45 minutes and kind of any any range upon there. And each meditation is very unique for the theme of the month. So some of the meditations are more visual experiences. So I have you go and dig into your imagination and work with the energy through imagination and visualization meditations. <laughs> and uh, some of them are, in fact, there's one meditation, it's really about keeping your eyes open and being really, really present with the, the particular meditation. So some of them I, I ask you to kind of close your eyes and be in a quiet place. There's just a, a wide variety of them. And it's fun and each uh, track has unique music uh, related to it. And I don't know, I just, I really enjoyed doing it. Uh, it has been an all consuming process getting this product together. If I haven't been as present on social media and things, that is why, because it is take taken a lot of my energy, but really I'm excited that it has. I mean, I've really devoted myself to this toolbox because I actually think it's going to help people and that's why I want to do it. <laughs> I actually think that if we can not only just learn astrology, but then learn about how to embody it and work with the energy, uh, we can go a really long way. So uh, if you do want that, be sure to go to accessibleastrology.com under the toolbox, 2020 toolbox. And now as we kind of get into the astrology of this episode, I am recording this episode on Friday, November 22nd, 2019. We've just moved through some kind of interesting energy because it's scorpionic. Uh, and because it's scorpionic, it's making a trine to Neptune and Pisces and the North Node in Cancer. So it's been a pretty watery uh, week. And really, if we're thinking about it, it's been a pretty been a pretty watery few months. And when we talk about water, which myself and my guests will be actually talking about on this episode, we do talk about the unconscious. You know, we talk about what is happening under the surface. You know, if we're having a lot of water in the sky, meaning a lot of planets are in the water signs, 
we can essentially expect that we're going to have a emotional experience. We are going to have an experience that has us encounter what we're not aware of. So water is like going swimming in the ocean. And there's something really beautiful and pleasant and nurturing about swimming in the ocean. But there's always this like serious sense of fear, right? Because we don't know what is below us. In fact, the ocean is one of the most untapped explorations on the earth. They're finding more and more inside of in the ocean all the time. And if you've ever scuba dived or done any snorkeling, which I've had the great privilege to do all over the world, there are like full worlds happening in the ocean, you know, full, full worlds that are magnificent. And we don't even see it, right? We don't, we're not aware of it. And that's the unconscious, right? There, it's this magnificent full world happening in the recesses of our mind, in our limbic system, in all these areas. And these worlds are having a massive impact on our on our day-to-day living, but we aren't aware of it. And the whole point of getting an astrology reading, the whole point of seeing a therapist, the whole point of all of this is to make the unconscious conscious so that we can liberate ourselves from that. And it's not to, you know, erase the past necessarily, but it is really about uh, recognizing it. Because when we are aware of it, we can choose to think differently, right? And that's the that's the outcome here is, you know, we can change those thought patterns in our mind that maybe keep us in poverty mentality or keep us not feeling great about ourselves or keeping ourselves in negative situations. As we start to see why that is, we can let it go and we can choose thoughts differently from a more conscious perspective. And so that's what November's really been doing. It's been bringing that that stuff under the water up to to dry land for us to take a look at, which can feel disorienting and delusional and confusing and scary and triggering and uh, just odd, right? Because you know, if you've ever gone scuba diving, it is kind of an odd experience. <laughs> you know, it's like, what is going on? This is happening on Earth. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, and so it's been that kind of time. And I actually wrote a kind of funny post about Santa Claus. And when you're all ready this week felt like when, you know, when you're all excited to go see Santa Claus and you walk downstairs and Christmas morning, you know, and you're waiting to see, did Santa Claus come? And you get down there and Santa's having like a party with the elves and the reindeer and, you know, kind of trash in the house. And it's like, oh, wait. Santa's not always all good, (laughs) right? It was like a huge reality check week. And uh, anyway, so I thought that was a fun analogy. But uh, enough of all of that. I hope that helps. I know a lot of you reached out to me and you're like, can you please address what just happened on the next podcast? So that was me addressing it. But things have shifted. The sun is officially in Sagittarius as I record this. We've got Jupiter-Venus conjunct. If you can go watch that conjunction in the evening sky when the sun sets it is so fucking beautiful my god it's so beautiful to watch uh, if you can get the chance to do that uh, and you got to do that soon uh, if you want to see that uh, in the evening sky so without further ado i'm going to go ahead and announce my incredible uh, guest 
And for those of you who are newer to the podcast, I am going to give you a little bit of a background on this young lady. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if that's, well, yeah, she's a young lady, but you know, she's a mother with two children also. So she's also a wise woman, Uh, but she is a very good friend of mine. I am bringing back to the podcast this week, my very good friend, Danielle Pulgar, who I originally started this podcast with almost four years ago. And I've talked about this before, but I met Danielle in 2009 when I started my master's program in counseling and art therapy. She was also studying counseling and we met uh, pretty quickly. And yeah, I think like the first class, we were in the same class together and we were put together within the first few weeks. I think I could be wrong, but I I remember it being pretty early on and uh, we were put into this activity uh, to stare into each other's eyes for like 30 minutes or something like that. It might've been longer, it might've been less, but it felt like a lifetime for me, <laughs> but not so much for Danielle. But when you stare into the eyes of a stranger for a good solid half hour or so, you're pretty much bonded for life. <laughs> and Danielle and I have been very, very close ever since. And we talk almost every day and, you know, discuss musings about astrology and, life. And, you know, she's an incredible friend to have and very wise. I think she's a very wise counselor. And Danielle, uh, along with myself, we both hold masters in counseling. And so she, Danielle does more actual therapeutic work than even I do. I focus more really on looking at astrology charts, but Danielle does more long-term work with clients. And she talks about how in this episode, how she does gestalt therapy and she uses some of those therapies from uh yeah from her training and she really is an incredible holder of space and that's why she has remained a, a strong friend of mine through the years because I never feel judged by Danielle I feel like I can tell her anything and she just is like okay <laughs> yeah she's been that anchor for me always and she's an incredible woman and she has an incredible husband who has also been on the podcast. In fact, that's probably the last time they were on. And uh, Randall is a chiropractor down in Santa Fe. They they do a practice together down there where they actually work with clients through looking at the medical astrology, which Danielle looks at and sh- she's really proficient at. And uh, Randall does the actual body treatment and they look at herbs and supplements and things like that. So it's a really amazing offering which you can find at daniellepolgar.com. And of course you can find her, uh, I think it's also Danielle Polgar on Instagram. Let me just double check that. And she has a great Instagram account. You can see her adorable children. Uh, so let me just double check that that is her handle. Yep. It is Danielle underscore Polgar. And, uh, yeah. And so she comes on today to talk a little bit about being a mom and being an astrologer and what that means. We talk about families and charts and how we trigger one another in the holidays. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a good episode. I actually really enjoyed it. We've actually tried this quite a few times. We recorded an episode about a week ago during the Mercury retrograde and it just didn't work out. So this is third time's a charm. It's like a very good episode. It is full of tools. Again, make sure you stay to listen all the way through as the key to get through these these holidays 
uh, this season through November and December and January, really 2019 and 20 uh, is in this episode. So please be sure to listen and consider uh, investing in that toolbox so that you can have a very uh, aligned year. I think that's the best way to describe it. Aligned to the organic energy of the gods and the goddesses above and, you know, be in total gratitude for what is um, as it is exactly as it's meant to be. So without further ado, stay tuned. Here comes Danielle Polgar and myself having a conversation about the holidays and astrology. My lovely guest today is also my very close friend and colleague, an astro soul sister. Danny, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Eugenia. So nice to be back here. Yes. Chatting with you about our favorite subject. Astrology. Yes, indeed. Yeah. We, uh, just before we started recording, I was complaining about my life and Danielle was just looking at my chart very nonchalantly. Oh, well, you've got this square and that. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's helpful. Helpful indeed. To have astro friends. It's pretty much everything. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so this is our second round trying this. Well, actually technically our third right? Is it our third? Yeah. Well, we've done two recordings in two separate Mercury retrogrades that didn't work out. And, uh, this one I think is going to work. I can feel it. It's going to happen. So, uh, so here we go. Third time's a charm, they say. So let's give it a, let's give it a go. So Danielle, how have you been to share with the listeners where you've been and what you've been doing and what's unfolded for you since you were last on the podcast? Well, I kind of can't remember the last time I was on the podcast. I don't know what the episode was, but um, let's see. Since I've been on, I now have a five-month-old son, and he's actually, no, he's just about to turn six months, Um, so that's mind-blowing, and I'm back to working with clients again. I started back in September, and life is very full and a little bit chaotic at times, but it's also very fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I'm really just having to do everything one breath at a time, one day at a time. Yeah. Key clutch. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, you know, I thought of you to bring you on at this moment on the podcast because I've been thinking a lot about the holidays coming up. Uh, so the transits, <laughs> the astrology of the holidays coming up here in 2019. And they're pretty uh, big. The The Christmas transit is just something I've just researched for such a long time now. And not because I have any idea what's going to happen, but just because it's so unusual to have the kind of eclipse that we're about to have on Christmas day or boxing day morning, depending on where you are in the world. And I know that for me going into the holidays, I always, I feel a sense of joy because I like Christmas lights and I like Christmas music and candles and, you know, the things that come with the holidays with all traditions, um, Hanukkah and so on and so forth. However, I also feel this slight 
hesitation and fear when I enter the holiday season because I have to be in a close proximity with my family who I love, but has a certain pressure put on us and each other at that time of year. And, you know, looking at family charts and knowing how family members trigger one another based on each other's astrological charts is a really interesting conversation. And, you know, I wanted to bring you on to talk about families and astrology and what is it to know our family's charts? What is it to, more importantly, what is it to be a mother with children knowing their astrology charts and just talking about the the benefits of it and the challenges of knowing astrology and our family's charts. And, uh, and also just like, how do we work with this as we go into more pressure filled family events like the holidays, right? Because when we hang out together on like an idle March day, it's very different when we're with our families, right? But it's different, like on the holiday, you know, cause we get marketed to and advertised to, and we have this expectation about this time of year that is very Capricorn feeling. <laughs> we have to make it look a good way or whatever. And so I just wanted to talk to you about what you think about this. And, and also just to say one other piece before we get into it is coming from the therapeutic background, both of us were trained with the, the ideology that you don't really, you, you can never do therapy on your family, right? That's like one of the primary ethical rules. And so I've always wondered how that conversation goes with other astrologers in terms of using your family's charts in relationship to them or knowing about their charts and what's the line of that ethical boundary in astrology as opposed to therapy. So I just threw like a thousand things out there to you, but uh, I'm going to toss it, you know, hit the tennis ball to you now and see where <laughs> you, we'll just go back and forth. Yeah, sounds great. Um, yeah, I think this is an awesome subject to talk about at this time of year because there is so much pressure to uh, well, spend time with your family anyways, you know, yeah. and, um, it's all amplified, you know, with that saggy energy of, you know, Jupiter and just like looking at it and it's supposed to be joyful, but sometimes, well, many times, um, our families aren't the source of our joy. <laughs> right. So, um, they're, they're, you know, for growth, but maybe not for our joy. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think that, well, there's two things I'll say. I think knowing astrology period is helpful, right? Knowing how to understand our relationship to um, life and having this tool, this lens to look through and understand, you know, have a better understanding or anchoring of meaning is what I, as I usually say. Um, and in particular, knowing how to work with your family because then you can understand the dynamics that exist in their life, what makes them who they are, and that can facilitate self-acceptance in the same way, or not self-acceptance, it, it can facilitate acceptance of them in the same way that knowing about your own astrology can facilitate self-acceptance. And, you know, kind of like saying like, oh, well, that's the way they communicate, or that's, that, that's their love language. So, you know, it kind of depersonalizes it a little bit, um, so we can be a little bit more objective when going into triggering situations like being with family during the holidays. Um, I also think it'd be really helpful to know what transits your parents are going to through or your siblings mm -hmm. or even like relatives, though I don't 
I haven't really spent too much time looking at extended relatives um, charts, but I think it is helpful to know what our family members are going through because we're part of their constellation and that impacts our world so much that whether or not we're in touch with them or whatnot, there is still this web that we're connected to that energetically we probably feel into. Um, and that way we can hold space or we can know, oh, wow, I want to give this person space. Um, and again, just be kind of more available and accepting of where they're at in the moment. Mm. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And I think, you know, one of the things I know for, for me and my family, I, I try to avoid looking at their charts namely because I'm always afraid to see what transits are coming for them. Uh, however, it's impossible to look at a chart and not know what transits are occurring with them. Now, progressions is another piece to look at with the family charts as well, but I think it is true. It's, it's, there's that again, for me, it's like a fine dance. I dance between knowing the transits they're in and also just holding space for that to be what it is. And if you're, anything like me, my family doesn't give a flying fuck about astrology. And there's never been an opportunity where I've had, where I've had the opportunity to be like, okay, so this is what's kind of going on in your chart right now. So can we discuss that? <laughs> right. So I have to kind of hold that information, know that information without sharing it, you know, and I think that's kind of an interesting dance too, but I do think knowing their transits is hugely important, especially for this holiday season, because I think that the transit for this holiday season is pretty impressive for everyone in some capacity, wherever you have Capricorn in your chart, this, this right now, uh, or Taurus or the earth, the earth trine thing that's going to be happening. Uh, so yeah, I think knowing that transit piece is, is very important. And also knowing how the sinistry, right? So knowing how we trigger one another, you know, I know that my Uranus falls on my brother's moon, for example. So I walk into the room and he is triggered. <laughs> like I just walk in and it, it just, my presence triggers him. And knowing that I'm aware of it, it's hard to stop that. You know, I can't make that, I can't turn my Uranus off, but you know, how do you think about the sinistry aspect with family members, including your children? You know, how do you, cause I know your brother and sister-in-law will be with you for this holiday season. Are you conscious of those trigger points as they're coming in? And you know, how do you hold space for that sinistry element? Yeah, I think that's a, a huge part of this whole thing is understanding the synastry and the dynamics that exist with our charts and somebody else's charts and where those tough edges are. Um, and maybe using those as, you know, uh, being aware of that can help us again, like depersonalize it, but also right. like not where we have to be like crafting our responses, but be in a more aware, observant place in terms of how do I want to respond to this situation if this person is triggering me? And like you said, um, I, well, most of my family knows, and I've, I just randomly will share stuff with them about astrology. If, you know, something comes up, I'll just say, you know, Hey, do you want to hear about what's happening in your chart or whatever? And they'll be like, sure. Um, 
even if they don't really get what I'm saying, <laughs> you know, it goes over their head. But um, I think that there's a, well, where was I going with that? I'm just coming back to the fact that my mom actually asked me if um, I could talk to her about astrology for the first time ever during her what? recent visit. So what? yeah, yeah, that's just the part that's standing out for me. I'm like, oh my God, that's so weird. That's so um, cool. Yeah, never in in her life in my life, of course, has she shown interest. And she was just like, we sat there and talked about it for like an hour. It was amazing. So yeah, it was really, really cool. And I think right now, um, she has, I think Uranus is making a trine to her Mercury. So that Mm. makes sense. Stuff like that. So, you know, it's just helpful to understand, um, where people are at in the moment. And of course, like what lens they're looking at through life, through their progress chart and whatnot. Um, and, and then in terms of understanding the dynamic with me being a parent, I mean, I think knowing astrology and knowing how to look at it as a helpful guide or a map for understanding your specific, your child's specific unique needs is so important and so helpful because like, obviously in some sense, when we give birth to a child, we're meeting a stranger. Mm-hmm. never met this person before. And a lot of, you know, if, if we're kind of like asleep at the wheel, we may be looking at our kids like, oh, I get to mold them and craft them into whoever I want. But they're really coming in with their own curriculum, their own agenda of what they're coming here to experience and learn. And you're here to just support and facilitate that learning experience, you know, in earth school. So it's, uh, you know, you have this math, this tool to understand them through this particular lens to say, oh, well, my kid is, you know, behaving in such a way. Um, I'm going to look at their moon sign, you know, to get the sense of like what their emotional needs are. Am I meeting that? Am I engaging with that in the way that's going to be helpful for them? Or am I pushing up against that and expecting them to be something that they're not kind of thing, which I think is a lot of where the parent child dynamic, where there can be a lot of wounding, um, of like children being like, you're not seeing me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if you have a, an astrology chart, you can really see someone. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's really, really helpful. And and again, like understanding that in the synastry, there's going to be parts of your child's chart that are going to rub you the wrong way. And how are you going to respond to that instead of be reactive? Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I have more to say about that reactive piece because I think that that's a something that maybe a chart will actually it's like the chicken and the egg thing that we talked about the last time like who's creating what scenario right yeah so yeah that later no i think that is yeah like some of my favorite work lately in the last year believe it or not somehow has turned into parent child readings a uh, couple of readings as well. I really, I really enjoyed doing this work right now in particular. And I think that's why I enjoy it so much because I know that if my, we talked about this last time, if my folks had understood my Taurus moon and its placement in the 12th and its square to this and opposition to that and yada, yada, I do think that my physical needs and emotional and spiritual and the needs that the moon shares shares uh to us or helps reflect to us what those needs are uh i think that can be very helpful in the parent-child dynamic really you know looking at that moon 
because I, I think especially as children, if we are adapting to the, the needs of the family emotionally, physically, spiritually, et cetera, uh, we don't really know what our needs are and it's something that we have to learn over time. But when we get our chart, you know, I know knowing my own moon sign, for example, knowing my moons in Taurus and the 12th house has really settled me into accepting my emotional wants and needs and what I need to be taken care of and taking care of myself as opposed to uh, becoming what the other people want me to become, right? And it starts with the family. And I think that that education for when you have a child could make the difference of, or or, or possibly generate a, a really awesome potential for humanity, actually. if Can you imagine if... When a child was born, they were you were handed their birth certificate and their astrology chart, uh, and you know you could see quickly. Okay, my child's needs are this. Now, we've talked about this too. You can see that in your your own children's chart. You as an individual, Dan- Danny, as an astrologer, but also you still don't totally know what they need, right? <laughs> Even though you can see the chart, it's still their path, right? As you mentioned before, it's. Um, they still have to figure it out on their own at the same time, but to be able to facilitate a rough understanding of what having a Scorpio moon child versus a Virgo moon child and recognizing the difference as a parent, uh, is like an interesting dance that you're in with your two kids or any parent is with their child. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it speaks to like how everything is expressed on a a spectrum. Right. So Mm -hmm. like to your point, we're modeling, what a sign is to our kids. Right. Right. So like for Soleil, she has a, you know, Scorpio moon. So I'm the model for her to project on mm-hmm. of like, this is the understanding of the Scorpio moon. And how do I want to embody that for her? And her needs are going to be incredibly different in terms of what it means to be a Scorpio or like the Scorpio energy, right? She's teaching me, also more about Scorpio through her, through her needs and, you know, right. The intimacy, the closeness. And I can understand that about her and see that she needs, you know, when she's having a temper tantrum, holding her is actually the best, you know, method. Whereas I have yet to see this with Khalil because, you know, he's still only six months, but, um, there's a sense that I get about him that maybe he'll want me, you know, understanding that he has a Virgo moon. It's like, maybe he's going to want me to explain something more because of Mercury being the ruler of Virgo or whatever, or maybe he's going to need something more practical, like me doing something for him or helping him with something that's going to help him feel like his needs are met. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think that's a, a good point you also bring up because, you know, we talk about the moon and the mom and Saturn and the father, and there's all these aspects in astrology that help us understand those specific dynamics. But right, it's chicken or egg. Is it that we were born with our particular moon sign and that's what we need? Or is that actually a reflection of what our mother was providing or rather not providing for us? Right. And I think that you know, we talked about this last time, but I've really thought about my Taurus moon and I didn't feel like it got the 
attention it needed, especially when you look at my family's charts uh, who have essentially nothing in Taurus except for one North node and a Mars at the very end. And is it that I needed that and I wasn't receiving it or did I get it actually, but in a 12th house way, right? Yeah. So, you know, I know someone whose moon is in the ninth and, you know, she got raised on a literal farm and had home cooked food all day, every day. And the fact that it's in the 12th, is that my experience of how I was nurtured and therefore... I'm responding to that or is that what I need? And they weren't, you know, I think it's both. Right. Mm -hmm. And as a parent, as you're saying, you're learning about their moon, but their moon is also ultimately a reflection of your parenting. Right. right? So it's, it's this interesting complex of the two. Or their experience of your parenting. Like I may have their experience. of Yeah. I may be thinking that I'm parenting in such a way, but she's, perception of it is taking it in. She's absorbing my, you know, parenting in this way. Or also the way that I react and respond to her. Like, for example, Soleil, I feel like um, my progressed moon is in Scorpio right now, which is an interesting fact. But um, I feel like she's gotten me more in touch with Scorpio energy with rage, with anger, with frustration, um, with intensity, uh, with kind of, you know, living a more like things underneath the surface or behind the scenes and things that are really psychological and psychic energy. So she's just bringing that out in me to look at as well. Um, so I'm behaving in such a way. And it's like, is she you know, kind of triggering that in me so that she can have that experience. Because let's say we do choose our chart. She's choosing me to be her mom. And then thus she's also in in some way asking me to be that intense mom. Yeah. You know? Right. Oh, totally. And I think once you go down the rabbit hole of family charts, the these patterns just so repeat right Mm -hmm. so you go into your you know your immediate family that you were born into siblings parents whether you were and this is also the case of adoption so even individuals who are listening who have been adopted it does it actually doesn't seem to matter the family we the family constellation that we gravitate towards or in in this lifetime, in this body really mirrors the family that we're in. I've also, I've often thought with adoption that because the charts are so similar of the adoptive parent and the adoptive child that like, there's still that same vortex being repeated that actually, even in the case of adoption, you do end up where you need to be because of those vortexes. And, and again, once you go deeper into the chart, you're like, wow, this symbol or this signature repeats over and over. And if you can go back to great grandparents, if you're that lucky, you don't even need time of birth to see the same moon sign show up and the same, you know, uh, like, for example, my grandmother is Pluto Saturn conjunct, my mother is Pluto Saturn conjunct, and I'm Pluto Saturn conjunct. Um, And you know, so there's these these bizarre symbols and signatures that continue to repeat generationally. And and so when you have a child, again, it's like they're being born to continue that vortex or p- as part of that vortex. And so maybe they're carrying in uh, energy from 
an uncle or something, you know, I think that's something too talking about when we have children and, and how that shifts the, the family constellation. And there's some, there's some counter vortex of a child who comes in also to shift the whole dynamic of the chart and also to, to repeat patterns that have long been standing, you know, uh, like for example, my grandmother's a Scorpio moon, my mother and my father are Scorpio moons and my brother's Scorpio rising. So there's something that they, that attraction, that attractor pattern found, they found each other, right? Just naturally, organically, you know, and I don't think family constellations are any different than any other living organism yeah. on the planet. You know, mm -hmm. it's, you know. Yeah. I see that time and time again. I mean, my brothers and I, all three of us have it. Uranus sun aspect. Right. And we all have a very, you know, like our, we all kind of perceive our dad in, in a very similar fashion. Um, mm -hmm. And my parents both have Aquarius moons and mm -hmm. I'm an Aquarius rising and my dad has a Leo rising and my son has a Leo rising. And, um, right. both of my children have Jupiter opposing their son and they were born to, you know, to 26 months apart. Um, right. you know, there's, yeah, there's just interesting patterns. And I think that is fascinating and just something to pay attention to in terms of when we're looking at, um, ancestral trauma, when we're looking at the fourth house, you know, and the IC, or when we're looking at the eighth house and what we're inheriting. Um, and then even the 12th house, things that are, you know, buried deep within our unconscious, um, or, or, or are part of the collective conscious consciousness that we're kind of here to either ignore or to heal. So, um, yeah, it's a really fascinating thing. Yeah. And you see that in the chart. It's funny. I had a, a week of clients this week because this, this week had been very scorpionic with Mercury going direct, Mars moving into Scorpio, all these things happening in Scorpio. And I had so many therapists reach out to me and so many friends and people reach out and, you know, what the hell's going on this week. And I noticed with client work too, I was bringing up what seemed very obvious in the chart to the client, but it was still unconscious in the client's mind. Right. And so that's the beauty of the job we, we have as astrologers is to make the unconscious conscious. And once the unconscious is conscious, I actually think that patterns can change and vortexes can change and constellations can change uh, because there's just awareness. Right. And so I, with a lot of clients this week, it was, I, I said something at the, in the first five minutes and by an hour and 20, they were like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. So do you see how I just said that <laughs> an hour ago? And they're like, Oh, and I'm like, yeah. So, I mean, there are effects on our life that are so monumentally deep and profound that we are completely unaware of. And once you do go into that, the chart into the fourth, eighth, 12th, and Scorpio, right? And we could even say Cancer and Pisces. Mm -hmm. um, we can see that. And that's actually when that ethical boundary comes, steps in for me with my family. Like, I don't want to look into my brother's fourth, eighth, and twelfth. I don't want to. It's his private life, right? And for a client who's paying me, I'll go there. I'll step into that realm. But like with a brother or even my parents, for some reason, there's, there's a piece of me that only goes so far with my parents and that in my family, sorry, in that respect, because, and I could even say aunts and uncles and so on, grandparents, uh, because I don't want to go in there with my family members. You know, I don't want to, it's, that's their work. 
and that's up to them. And and also if if I can see these unconscious drivers, you know, and they can't. That's that sets up an interesting Christmas dinner, you know what I mean, or holiday dinner, because I have a clear understanding of what's being triggered right now inside of them and in their chart. And they might be unconscious that it's being triggered. Right. And so this is where that ethical question comes up about families and charts and how much do, do we want to know about our family's charts? And, you know, for me, it's a fairly clear, like, I don't really want to go there because of my training, because of my, I don't know, my personal beliefs, um, but what are what are your feelings about that? I know we've kind of talked about this, but yeah, um, I just think it depends on what you do with the information, you know. Right, um, and that yeah. that's to be said about astrology in general. All of astrology, yeah. yeah. I mean, you yeah. can use it to wound yourself, hurt other people, um, or you can just use it as a tool to gain insight into a person's process and like you said, to shift your perspective or to change a pattern. And then you can kind of have a new experience of that person. Um, uh, the understanding, the acceptance piece that comes from like looking at someone's chart and also compassion, like, whoa, like, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at my oldest brother's chart, his chart is fucking hard, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, maybe if I didn't know that, maybe if I didn't know specific things about his chart, I'd be like, what the fuck is his problem? You know? Yeah, totally. Whereas now I'm like, Oh, that's hard. That's a hard life, you know? And so it can shift my, my feeling around it and just be like, I'm sorry, that's so hard for you, you know? And, um, and like I said, you know, I always ask my family if they're interested and, um, my family, I can tell like people as I've become more, fluent in this language, you know, over my many years of practice, it's like, I can speak about it more effortlessly now. And I can explain it more clearly where it makes sense to them. And I guess I've been kind of like planting seeds of curiosity in them so that they will ask me or like my brother will call call me up and be like, not same brother, actually, both of them, they'll, they'll be like, yo, sis, like, what the fuck's going on? You know, can you help me out here? Mm. Like, you know, I just had this thing happen or whatever. And I'll be like, yeah, well the symbol for this is happening. Blah, blah, blah. And, and he's like, wow, that is just like, I can't believe that. That is so accurate, you know? And mm. I think it provides in my case anyway, knowing this, using it as a tool provides some sense of relief, you know, for anybody who's receiving the way that I share this information. Right. It's like, Oh, okay. I know this is temporary. I know there's a timeline. And also, you know, I know that I'm not crazy. This is just kind of a situation in my life. Plus, mm-hmm. I can. these are the ways in which I can work with it, right? The best way to work with a your honest transit is this or whatever. So, um, but I, I hear you in the ethical piece. I feel like where that becomes an issue is if, um, you know, if you're taking on the burden of trying to like, not even the burden. If you're, if you're stepping in like a a counselor for your family and trying to really go through like a process with them and, and everything like that. And, and I think everybody kind of, well, this is an assumption actually, but I can feel when things start to get murky and that, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, no. So, you know, it's just kind of being observant about how much I'm going to go there with someone. 
Um, but I also play that role in my family. I have Chiron in the fourth house. So it's like, I've I've always been the person that people come to, to confide in and talk to. And, um, and I like, I like being psychological like that, you know, my family. So, Well, as you were talking, it kind of got me to thinking, oh, well, no wonder my family won't talk about this or let me talk about it. There's two Scorpio moons and a Scorpio rising. Like They don't want me to see their shit. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like there's no space for this conversation in my family. And you would think that the other end of it would be maybe that they'd find this very interesting. But I think the the way it shows up for my family is more, let's keep our lives to ourselves. You know, let's keep secrets to ourselves. And this is not the place we share it in, in this family. And maybe that's why I chose this, this profession, right? Is because I want to get to the bottom of what's going on with people. And, you know, I know when I look at a client's chart, it's almost immediate that I can see, I mean, so much so fast, right? It's almost terrifying. You just look at a chart for 30 seconds and there's <laughs> so much information after you know you spend so many years looking at charts right you know just that's all you and I do right we just eat and drink and breathe this shit and it never stops there's never a day we don't look at astrology charts f- throughout the day pretty much all never, day right never like it just doesn't happen <laughs> so when you've when you've crafted your tool with such you know the 10,000 hours or whatever you open a chart and it's just like there, you know, it, it, you know, it's the finesse then is explaining what you see to the client and, you know, in the way that will be helpful for them. But I, I think that's another reason I'm a bit hesitant to look at my family's charts because I see shit so fast and they clearly ha- haven't given me permission to look at it. Right. Because they've never asked me what's going on astrologically. I mean, they genuinely don't care about what I do. And anytime I've offered them like they're happy that I love what I'm doing they're inspired by how I'm inspired by my career and they're very very supportive but the the actual thing I do is of not interest is not of interest they'd rather talk about football right so uh which is fine and you know it's in their chart it's all cool and but you you brought up something that I think is you've brought it up now a couple of times which I think is actually the key for getting through the holidays right it's like And it's not just the key for getting through these holidays, but especially as the nodes shift this year in 2020, not this year, but in 2020 to South Node Sag, North Node Gem. When we're in the season of Sagittarius, especially this season, because we will have uh, Jupiter there. Jupiter will move pretty soon into Capricorn, but we'll have, you know, we have a lot in Jupiter and every, or in Sagittarius and every Thanksgiving in America, we are in the season of Sag and Jupiter is, I know the truth, right? So why we go into, why so many conflicts happen, of course, at the holidays is because we're all on our high horse, which is the shadow of Sag. Like, well, I know what's right and I know what's right. And you fuckers don't know. I can see your chart and you're all so naive and you can't see the transits and blah, blah, blah. And I've been that way, of course. But I think the medicine here to balance the holidays and then definitely to balance the transits of the nodes shifting into Sag and Gemini is learning to ask more questions. So humbling ourselves. So your mother saying to you, I want to know what you do. I want to know about it. That shit is healing. Right. And so as we go into the holidays, 
I think the one of the key ingredients necessary is, you know, everything we're talking about, knowing a little bit about the charts, the transits, the synastry, so on and so forth. But it's just getting curious about the other. Like if my brother came to me this Christmas or the, this holiday season and said, you know what, sister, tell me what you do. <laughs> I would like to know what you do for a living. Can you tell me a little bit about it? It's like, that's all I need. I don't need him to understand it. I don't need him to like it or even to agree with it. But just having the curiosity, right? What is it that you do? What, why do you, or if I, vice versa, I sit down with him and like, can you tell me why you like this sports team so much? Which I genuinely don't care about, but just to humble ourselves into Gemini, which is, I'm curious why you like football so much, right? For example, Tell, let me, I'll watch a game with you this holiday season just to see, try to understand what it is you find interesting about this activity, right? And I think that as we globally are shifting into the South Node and Sagittarius, the dark side of Sagittarius is just people s- sticking to their camp of belief and not coming down to get curiosity about well, why are you a conservative or why are you a liberal or, you know, why do you practice this religion? And why do you like, that's so medicinal. Yes. I have this belief system. I believe in astrology and I believe in psychology, et cetera. And you believe in football. So let me get curious about that. And can, in, 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 in return, I would love for you to get curious about mine so we can have an actual conversation. Right. And I think that that's one of the, the key, key, key ingredients going into this holiday season and into 2020 is learning how to get curious about other people, not, um, evangelical about our, our beliefs. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. Yeah. And we'll have a full moon in Gemini on the 12th of December. Right. So that, that'll be a good like segue into, at least Christmas season and, and the eclipse. Um, but yeah, I think you're right on, right on with that. And, and again, I mean, that's like whether you have astrology or not, right. Exactly. You know, just like being curious about people and trying to ask, like asking questions always facilitates closeness. People want to talk mm-hmm. about their experience. They want to be heard. They want to be yep. seen. And, um, in, in the same vein, you know, like looking at your family's chart may not be, if you're going in there with the intention of, I just really want to know this person. I want to understand them right. better. I'm curious. Um, right. instead of like, I need to tell them who they are or, right. you know what I mean? Like, or, uh, like using it in a, in a way where, um, it's going to give you more, I don't know, separation yeah separation or like righteousness like feed your ego to be right oh I was right about this or I did that you know and and just kind of look at the humanity of the individual um yeah I think that that can be helpful as well so again just seeing how you being delicate with how we we work with this language and this material yeah yeah absolutely Yeah, I think, I know when I was, you know, I think one of those things, when you're younger, you, I don't know, I was this way, I don't know if you were, but you hear that people feel, you know, you hear this, so I don't think it's my, it seems to be a universal experience. 
where when you're young, you think you fucking know everything, right? And I know when I first started learning astrology, I think I initially probably did use it against people from the perspective of, well, I know this about you and so I know better than you know, right? And what age does is it humbles us to recognize that, like, we don't really know anything, (laughs) you know, like, you know, I'm still learning astrology. You're still learning astrology that less, those lessons will never complete. Right. And, uh, it's, what is it? The more you learn, the less, you know, I, I remember when I was in my twenties, I used to be like, that's such bullshit. The more I learn, the more I know. And now that I'm in my getting towards my later thirties, I'm like, Oh, yeah, no, I'm starting to really understand that. And, and, and so having that curiosity and that humanity, as you said, is, it's so important. And, you know, you, and you see this in people's signatures and their own personal charts, you know, you'll meet with a client who might have something like this and you're like, just, you know, it'd be great to just ask people more questions. Like your, your personal life will get better. You know, when you go to a party, you don't have to be on with your education and your knowledge, Sagittarius, you can, because like you said, people just want to be heard. It is such a deep human need, right? It's why therapy exists. It's why clergymen have existed. It's why, I mean, just to be heard without judgment is essential, especially right now, because there are such divisive political strategies happening, putting people in different camps, not just politically, but not just religiously, but also identity, right? Mm-hmm. So if I, it's like worldview, it's like totally, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, if I look this way and I identify this way, I'm part of this camp, but that's not, that's not how we want to go for. <laughs> that's, that's the beginning of, you know, some pretty gnarly, historically some gnarly events follow when people get put into camps of righteousness against each other it's like well no so you voted for this guy I don't like why simple it's simple like why did you vote for him or her right Mm -hmm. you know I don't agree with it I'm not you know you know whatever that might be uh, or why do why do you believe in this political party or this religion or you know I'm just curious you know because ultimately there's a reason everyone thinks the way they do and feels the way they do and it's all inherently valuable I think uh, so yeah yeah and you know what else is really humbling no <laughs> becoming a parent <laughs> totally and recognizing how little you do know. Yeah. And, <laughs> totally. and, and even in terms of astrology, like, um, you know, like your kids are going to teach you through their, through who they are, through how they express themselves, you know, what they need and, and are you listening? Right. But I think that's a really powerful thing to understand in just looking at your own child's chart, just to bring it back around to that thing of, you know, being an astrologer and being a parent, it's kind of like, not falling prey to, oh, now I know exactly what my kid needs or um, now I know exactly who my kid is because they are living this chart, right? You're co-facilitating an experience for them, but also like not forgetting that we have to ask our kids, what do you need right now in this moment? 
And then if they can't even name what that is, maybe we throw out a couple of suggestions, you know, and then see if we land somewhere. But really right. keeping a conversation open to facilitate that, that like groundwork of, I want to hear you. What you say is valuable. You have a voice, you know, in this, um, in this life, in this world. And, you know, a, yeah, you're, you're unique. You're special. So. And it starts there. I mean, if imagine everybody this holiday season, and I invite anybody who's listening to this to, to consider this. If we each as individuals step into the holidays and this is if you don't even spend time with families. It, does, it doesn't, it, you know, maybe you're, you're distant from your family. Maybe you don't have family. There's a lot of ways this can look, but you will encounter people this holiday season riding a high horse because it's still Sagittarius season regardless and Capricorn. They're both kind of high horsey energies. Uh, all the winter months really are. Um, nevertheless, no matter your family dynamic or lack thereof, if each one of us picked up our corner of the world, right? And we said, okay, it is my responsibility as a conscious human to step over the line with my family to see their point of view. And to, like you said, with your children, just to ask to, to facilitate voice for our children and our siblings and our parents, that could be enough for the world, right? Like we don't have to do this. I mean, obviously we should try to do this with strangers and at work and all of those other environments, of course, but if we can at least do it there during a really strenuous time, which is the holidays, maybe that's all we need. Just if enough people getting curious and conscious about the people who surround them and accepting their charts recognizing the, the strengths and the weaknesses and just getting curious to see them see life through their perspective and their point of view. And there's actually for this toolbox thing I'm doing, I do this really long meditation at one point about, about this, which I actually really love. It's really cool about like how to step into somebody's body for a minute and just for a minute, just to really look at the world through their eyeballs and it's a it's it's my favorite meditation actually in the toolbox because I don't think people I don't think we do that very often you know mm-hmm. like consciously just you know yeah that's mm-hmm. actually it's interesting you say that because that's a, often something that I use with my clients with like gestalt yeah exactly like empty yeah. chair work essentially totally. and uh yeah. how powerfully transformative that is Totally. is I mean whoa mm-hmm. just to see the life like see life through the lens of another person and really feel into their experience and their perspective yeah. and how yeah. that can change your perspective and your you know how your right. your feelings about them well it's almost like you can go to like let's say your mom triggers you this holiday season right <laughs> which it's definitely how it goes down in my house. <laughs> um, uh, but to kind of just put our, you know, to be like, okay, so she's feeling a lot of pressure. Why is she feeling so much pressure? Oh yeah. She watches a lot of Hallmark, right? You know, like these are the thoughts running through her mind, you know, whatever it might be. And, uh, and again, it just gives us that moment to step back. And, and also that's very key for this holiday season too, is just step back and like leave the room if you need to. And, 
just find your breath every time any any time triggers come up right it's okay and 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 like you said before I was a bit triggered before we started this call and Daniel said what did you say to me be where your body is or something oh it's it's a momism my mom didn't make this up but she always reminds me keep your mind where your body is yeah exactly right and so when we're feeling those triggers because that's what family does right she's I mean the, the origin story how could they cause the triggers right so they will continue we will continue to re-trigger each other and just to step out breathe bring ourselves back to the present moment back into our physical bodies today uh is really important also uh moving through this season because an eclipse on christmas is just i have no idea how that's gonna look but i don't know it it could be very triggering you know, especially for families with a strong constellation of Capricorn or Cancer, which, you know. But it could be healing. Um, well, exactly. That's what triggers are. You know, for, I think they? like, yeah, like they're, well, that's the, ben- like the hope, right? Is that the trigger? Right, is to release Yeah, the release and right, then you right. go somewhere that's with the it, hope, come yeah. to a new place. But yeah, I think allowing, like even speaking to, you know, Cancer Capricorn, it's kind of like, Capricorn is where we're seen in the public, essentially out in the world. And then Capricorn is who we are in our private, I mean, cancer is who we are in our private life. And then cancer is about like our vulnerable self, you know, and then, um, so it's like, how are we allowing ourselves to be vulnerable in in front of our family and, and, or are we closing ourselves off to that and setting up, you know, Saturn's going through Capricorn. Are we like super rigid and holding so strongly to our belief systems or whatever it is um and closing ourselves off to the connection that can be there and i think you're right like that key is staying curious um and keeping those those conversations open like one thing i will say is my mom is always like don't discuss religion or politics that's you know and i'm like why we need to discuss these things because otherwise we're just going to remain polarized you know what about like hearing each other and talking about it from a non, you know, like righteous place of I'm right. You're wrong. It's just like, Hmm, that's interesting. That's fascinating that you see it that way or whatever. Yeah. It's such a generational thing. Yeah. 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 It's so funny. This is, has literally, well, not nothing to do with it, but I was, (laughs) I don't know why, but all this stuff came up on my phone about Meghan Markle. I think because I just watched the new season of The Crown and uh, Google must have. Yeah. Did you like it, by the way? I'm not loving the new season. I'm I'm not not, like super into it. So I'm frustrated. I'm so disappointed, honestly. Mm -hmm. I'm so bummed. And I tried to find reviews and they all seemed to like it. And I'm like, what? I I just, why did you, I just don't know why they changed the characters. But anyway, I, it's not like, you know, she only aged up to 35 or something. She looks, I don't know know why they did that, but yeah, it's super disappointing. But regardless, um, of course I watched it. So you Google, you know, this stuff and Meghan Markle came into my news consciousness feed or something. And she said something that I thought was really interesting. And because I've actually spent quite a lot of time in England myself and lots of time with British people and they do have a stiff upper lip. It is very culturally, you, like, you don't talk about things in England and oftentimes I'll say stuff and people will get embarrassed for me when I'm in England. And I'm like, well, but this is how 
but in America, we just talk, like we share these feelings. And there was an interview with her and she said, I really tried to adopt this British sensibility of a, a stiff upper lip. And she said, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's healthy for, for us to have these feelings and not express them. Cause she's coming out about the paparazzi and all that, which it's kind of crazy she didn't expect. Well, anyway, I guess if you haven't lived in England, you don't know how severe that can get. But it can get very severe there, and she didn't get to express it. And so now she's expressing it with that American sensibility, right? And it's kind of that. It's There's something very American about wanting to talk about religion and politics. And also generationally, I think it's a very Scorpio. You're on a Scorpio, Pluto-Scorpio mm-hmm. thing. and But it's true. Like, if we stuff it... it that's what happens. It gets stuffed. Yeah. <laughs> for yeah, generations. It's not doing any good there. Right. Yeah. We want liberation and liberty, right? American values. So anywho, um, so I think once the conversation goes to Meghan Markle, it's time to wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, Never uh, thought I'd bring her on the podcast, like talking. Well, she's a cancer ascendant. So I thought she was Leo. No, I, well, is she, why did I think she was having, um, or maybe, no, she's your age, right? So she's having her nodal return. No, no, no. She's yours. She's North Node Leo. I think she's, I think she's 81. I, I have her chart. I'm going to look it up real quick. Megan Markle. I'm pretty sure she's 81. She's 81. Yeah. Yeah. So she's oh, North so Node. She, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. She is a Cancer Ascendant. Um, oh, she is. Yeah. And she's a Leo oh, okay. Sun. So that's probably what Oh, that makes sense. And oh, okay. Leo and Moon. North Node. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, yeah. Fascinating. Um, being vulnerable is her thing right now. Public. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting curriculum to be in her shoes. <laughs> no doubt. So anyway. Um, well, this went, the this was much better than the last shot because the audio is good. We've had good connection. I'm feeling good about this episode me too you? yeah <laughs> i think it'll be helpful hopefully it'll be helpful for some folks just that's as like reminders like right yeah that's the goal yeah yeah stay curious yeah. just so so important going into 2020 mm-hmm. especially the 2020 election like super important because it could get very divided that election because of South Node and Sag mm-hmm. and other shit that's going on, of course. So anyway, so it's important to start cultivating this now. So, uh, Danielle, is there any last thoughts, feelings, opinions? Well, I've got opinions? a lot of them about a lot of things, a lot of topics, <laughs> yeah. but no, I, I think Gemini we said man. everything we, uh, mm-hmm. we need to say. Um, yeah. yeah. Anything else you wanted to share? No, I'm feeling really good about this episode. I think it's been spot on, which is great. Mm-hmm. I'm so, <laughs> I hadn't had that morning. So this is feeling, <sighs> feeling like really. <laughs> so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this is the benefit of Mars squaring Mercury is you actually get shit out. Yeah. It's more clear. Well, it's like better out than in. That's right. That's that's right. Mm-hmm. All right, Danielle, welcome or not welcome. What? What? <laughs> All right. I was just be getting on my hat horse about this this good Mars aspect. Anyway, uh thanks for coming back on. I hope that you have a really great holiday season with your kiddos and 
you celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah? Yeah. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, we, we're pretty cool. low key. Yeah. yeah it's not general. like I love Christmas trees and I love lighting the Hanukkah candles and stuff, but you know, I'm not gift, gift giving is not really my love language. So yeah. Um, I, I'm simple. so with you. Yeah. Yeah. That's at the bottom for me. Yeah. Totally. And we're not doing anything for Thanksgiving, which um, normally Thanksgiving is like one of my favorite holidays, but I'm just mm. so grateful that I can just take it easy this time around and not have to cook a big meal for a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. Take it easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good call. We'll have a good holiday season. You too. Friend. Thanks. Yeah. It should be good. And for all of you, I hope you all also have a really beautiful holiday season and hope this episode helps navigate your waters, helps you navigate your waters and uh, that we all have a really beautiful season yeah. of, of cheer and joy and uh, an understanding too. So until we speak again, signing out. Peace. Peace.